You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. What's up, Trace Church? Man, I miss you guys. I just want to say welcome to all of you that are watching today, whether you're watching today on Sunday, or maybe you just got done enjoying your Memorial Day weekend. Whatever the case, we're so glad that we get to have you. Uh, If this is your first time joining us online, if you would go ahead and just uh, go in the comments section below and hashtag new to Trace, uh, we would love to connect with you guys and hopefully get you more connected as well. But speaking of getting connected, on June 7th, we're going to have what we call a group launch where we uh, launch some of the groups here. So if you would like to get into a group or maybe you just want more information about group life here at Trace, feel free to comment below. Someone will get in touch with you. We'll make sure we get you connected. Uh, but real fast, I'd love to just give a brief shout out to a couple of different people uh, that this has been a weird season for a lot of different reasons. Uh, we don't get to see people smile as much because of the masks. Uh, we, you know, people, the huggers aren't out doing their things, but then also conversations just seem a little bit more polarized. But one thing that we have seen that has been incredibly encouraging for us is that there's been several people that have never set foot in the building of Trace itself, but uh, that have joined us online week after week, after week. And many of these people are your neighbors, some of them are your coworkers, your friends, maybe even family members that live uh, hundreds of miles away. But if that is you, we're so glad that we get to have you. Thank you for accepting an invite. Thank you for taking a chance with us. You know, we're excited to meet you in person. If you haven't heard, we're gonna be opening our doors on June 7th, but at the same time, we're ready when you're ready. And so if you feel more comfortable staying home right now, that's okay. We're still gonna have all of our online engagement stuff going, and so feel free to continue to tune in. But for those of you that missed it, or maybe you just forgot, last week we kicked off a series called Change My Mind. That many of us, we've seen a meme that looks something like this, where you have this guy at this table, and you put a universal truth up here, and then you follow it by the phrase, change my mind. So for instance, a good example, a universal truth here, pineapple does belong on pizza. It's my favorite kind of pizza for anybody wondering, but changed my mind. But last week, Aaron kicked off this series talking specifically about leadership, that leadership in the church uh, has gotten kind of a bad rap, but that we as a church actually believe that leadership, especially in the context of faith, is actually a form of discipleship. That when we choose to use the influence that we have to lead others, especially when it helps them become better leaders themselves, it is actually uh, doing exactly what we believe Jesus has called us to. But today, I want to talk about something very different. Uh, It has very little to do with people coming to know Jesus and everything to do with why people are walking away from Jesus. That right now, there is a pandemic besides the coronavirus that is spreading very rapidly, and it is this right here, deconversion stories. Deconversion stories. Now, one of the latest trends on social media and the internet is to post videos of like an anti-testimony, not of how someone came to follow Jesus, but actually why they no longer do. And every day, more and more of these stories are posted online of people leaving Christianity and religion behind and claiming the titles of atheist or agnostic. 
And that's not to say that Christianity is suffering or there's this dramatic uh, decline in Christianity here in America. Uh, It's just to say that there are some reasons that people are leaving the faith, and I want to talk about what those are today. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why people are abandoning following Jesus, where we as the capital C church have failed in the past, and what it's going to take to flatten the curve, if you will, for the rate of these deconversions. And before I go any further, let me just say this that I recognize, especially with an online audience, especially with how easy it is to share this and everything like that, that our audience is gonna be full of several different people, with several different beliefs, several different presuppositions and stages of their faith. That listen, I hope there are some people watching, and maybe you will share this with people like this, uh, that don't believe the same things that I do. That maybe you have always been skeptical, maybe you have even posted one of these videos in the past. Or maybe you're just, you've been a follower of Jesus for a very long time, but you have questions and doubts, but you've never really felt safe or comfortable to expose what those are. And so the last thing I would want to do this morning is to come off as arrogant or come off as that I have all this figured out or I have all the answers or say a couple of things so that I can sound smart. And so to say it as clear as I know how to, I'll say it like this. I don't know everything. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. I'm just one guy with a limited experience and a limited perspective, but I have some thoughts that I would like to share. That listen, we as a church are not after point-proving theology, where we want to start and win arguments so that we can feel better about ourselves when we go to sleep tonight. We have no space for that here. No, instead, we believe that as a church, our job is to remove every obstacle for people to get to Jesus. Whether that is an old habit, past hurts, or an intellectual hang-up, we want to help you work through those things. And so before you throw up a wall and tune me out this morning, before you turn off the TV, before you close the laptop, I just want you to take some time, listen to this all the way through, and just please hear my heart in all of this. Because maybe you're a skeptic, or maybe someone you know is a skeptic and you could share this with them, but whatever the case, my hope is that this will give you some things to think about over the course of this next week. And so very, uh, to, to begin, first and foremost, what is a deconversion story? A deconversion story or a faith deconstruction story is a story of how someone went from being a Christian to becoming non-religious. So to be very clear, we're not talking about other re- religions today. We're simply talking about Christianity. You see, over the past decade, Christianity in America has seen a decline of about 12% while the non-religious category has seen an increase of about 10%, with a large portion of that 10% formerly being Christians. Now we know every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God, and therefore it matters to us as well. And so over the past uh, couple weeks, I was able to watch just over 30 of these stories. Some of them ranged from an hour and a half long to some of them only being about 10 minutes. But in all of them, they discussed what it took for them to become a Christian in the first place, but then also the journeys and steps uh, that it took to leave it all behind. However, two of the most significant stories that I watched were from two guys named Rhett and Link, and here's a picture of them. They weren't just Christians, they were actually pastors in the local church. And in these stories, they discussed what it took uh, for them to leave Christianity, to leave following Jesus behind. And their stories weren't just significant for the stories in and of themselves, but actually for the overall impact that they had on young people here in America. 
You see, Rhett and Link, they lead a podcast called Ear Biscuits. Maybe some of you have heard of it, but it has over 200,000 subscribers. And when they posted their faith deconstruction stories back in February, there were several others that followed. However, after listening to dozens of these stories from different ethnic backgrounds, from different ages and stages of life, and even from different levels of education, one thing that I found extremely interesting is that after listening to a lot of these, they all started to sound very similar. And that's not to diminish anyone's personal story or to discredit what it is that they went through. It's just to say that there was a common thread here. And they became similar not only for what they had in the stories, but also for what they left out. Because my research was not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But as I watched these, I started to realize that people were leaving Christianity for reasons that had nothing to do with why I was a Christian or why I think anyone else should be a Christian at all. And so if they're not leaving Christianity for those reasons, why are people walking away from Jesus? Why are people deconverting from following Jesus? You see, in John chapter 18, Jesus, he's just been arrested by Roman soldiers. He's already been through the trials with the Jewish leaders, and he's brought to a man named Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate is a Roman official who kind of governs the land, but he has nothing to gain by siding with or against uh, these Jewish leaders to kill Jesus. And so near the end of this conversation, uh, he asks a very profound question. He asks this in John 18, 38. What is truth? What is truth? You see, I believe to some degree or another, we are all asking this question. We're all searching for meaning, identity, purpose, belonging, and we want to know who has all the answers. Let me illustrate it this way for you. To some degree or another, we all live somewhere on this line. That on this side over here, we have truth. And then on this side, we have ignorance. That when we're born into this world, we're born into ignorance. And then in the space in between these two dots live all of our doubts, all of our questions, all the experiences that we have. And as we continue through our lives, we have experiences. We receive education. We start to answer some of the questions that we have. And step by step, one by one, slowly but surely, we make our way towards truth. However, sometimes there are questions that are a bit harder to answer. Sometimes our progress is slowed. Sometimes it's even stopped. Because sometimes there are questions that are harder to answer, but sometimes there's questions that have multiple answers to them. And so we have to figure out why we believe certain things and what we believe, don't we? And so instead, we turn to people, to other sources, people that have more authority on the subject, people that have more experience than we do. This is why kids go through the very famous why stage, where they start to question everything. They ask their parents, well, why is the sky blue? Why do animals walk on four legs, but we only walk on two? Why do we park in the driveway and drive on the parkway? Why are birdhouses made out of birdhouses? That one took you a second, didn't it? But there are some questions we just simply do not have the answers to. And so we seek out the professionals and we ask them our questions, hoping that someday it'll move us along in our pursuit of truth. And this doesn't go away as we get older. This isn't a a mentality for just children. Because we don't stop asking questions, our questions just change. Instead of asking, you know, how do I spell my name? We start to ask the question, who am I? Instead of asking people, you know, will you be my friend? We ask, where do I belong? Instead of asking, what do I want to be when I grow up? We start to ask the question, what is my purpose? All of this to move us forward and move us further in our pursuit of truth. 
So why talk about this? You know, what does this have to do with deconversion stories and faith deconstruction stories? It's a great question. Thank you for asking. You see, out of the 30 or so stories that I watched, not only were the reasons for people leaving Jesus behind the same, but for the most part, so were the plots of the stories themselves. They, they all had key moments that were extremely similar. And once again, I don't say that to dismiss the value of anybody's story or to discredit what it is that they went through. It's just to say that there were some similarities that I couldn't ignore. You see, because for the most part, many of the stories went something like this. Most of them grew up in the church. Maybe that's surprising to you. But they grew up in a church that was extremely fundamentalist, extremely conservative, conservative and extremely dogmatic. That these churches taught a very literal interpretation of the Bible. Meaning that regardless of the context of the new covenant or the old covenant, regardless of the genre that they were in, regardless of the author's intended meaning, everything in the Bible was to be taken literally. And so they grew up with a view of the Bible, a view of God's word like that. So they believed God was real. They believed Jesus loved them. But they also believed that if they didn't believe those things, they were going to burn in a place called hell. That for a lot of them, their decisions were based on mob mentality. So if everybody else is doing it, so I'll do it too. And also decisions based mostly out of fear. And for what it's worth, that makes me incredibly sad. Because here you have a group of people that as children were manipulated into following Jesus out of fear. When Jesus is so much bigger and better than that. But as these kids grew older, they began to learn more about the Bible. They attended Sunday school classes. They may have even went to a Christian private school. And their faith became very real to them. And they continued to grow, and they learned stories like Noah and the ark, and they learned stories about David and about Jonah and the prophets and Jesus and his 12 disciples. But eventually they started to have questions, right? They started entering into secular classes in school. They started learning about things like evolution and the scientific method and other philosophies and different religions, which are all important things to learn about. But in their pursuit of truth, they were presented with another option. And so they started to ask questions like, how can there be a good God if so much pain and suffering exists in this world? Or is truth found in the Bible or in science? Or maybe a hybrid of both? Is the earth really only thousands of years old? Because I've heard something different. But they didn't receive any answers, and so they went on with their lives, all the while starting to realize that in their pursuit of truth, they were stuck. They were stuck in the place that they were at. And as time went on, eventually their doubts began to grow, and their questions became overwhelming. And so they did what all people do whenever we don't know the answers. They went to the professionals. And so they went to their parents and they asked them their questions and their parents said, those questions are silly and they don't really matter to your life. Forget about them. And so not receiving an appropriate response, they went to the next level of professionals, their Sunday school teachers. And these well-meaning Sunday school teachers, they heard their questions from them and they responded by basically saying something along the lines of, you just need to do more. You just need to read more of your Bible. You just need to pray a little bit more. You need to do anything but ask more of these questions. And so still extremely unsatisfied, they decided to go to the most professional Christian that they knew, their senior pastor. And they went to the pastor and they unveiled these big questions about life. You know how the senior pastor responded? Just live by faith. That you're having these questions because there is doubt. You do not have enough faith. Listen, doubt has no place in this building. 
Doubt has no place in following Jesus. Stop asking questions and simply have more faith. And in a moment where faith could have been strengthened, it was decimated. And someone that had real faith, make no mistake of that, their faith was real. Someone that had real faith was instead left with a pile of unanswered questions and doubts and one very simple, clear conclusion. That this faith, that this faith could get me no further in my pursuit of truth. And so rather uh, than looking further into Christianity, they started to take steps in other directions finding a couple answers to a couple of the questions they had until they were so far removed from Jesus, they turned back and they said, there is no truth, no truth that can be found in the Bible. Therefore, this whole Jesus thing must just be one big hoax. Now listen, for all intents and purposes, they were done. Done with Jesus done with the church, done with religion, done with Sunday school teachers, done with Christians, done with questions, done with doubts. They were all done. And you may be sitting there today thinking, that's me. And I think I'm done. That you are either there or you are about to be done. Now, what I described sounds exactly like your story, that you may not uh, be completely there, but you have felt the hurt of rejection from the church. That when you needed the church the most, they turned a cold shoulder to you and said simply, you need to have more faith. And listen, I don't care if you hear anything else that I say today, but if that's you, guys, if you're done Please hear this. I'm sorry. Like from the depths of my soul, I'm sorry. Like I can't imagine how alone that must have made you feel. I can't imagine how angry that must have made you. That if I would have experienced what you experienced, like I'd probably be done too. Because it's not how the church should have responded. And listen, I watched dozens of these stories. And as I began to watch them, man, they broke my heart. Why? Because I watched people walk away from Jesus, walk away from the person that I love the most. And the majority of the blame falls not on them, but on us. Now, right now, people are walking away from Jesus for two main reasons, and the majority of the blame falls on our shoulders that they're walking away for two reasons. And the first reason is this, that we as people, we keep giving $1 answers to million dollar questions. You see, when I was a kid, uh, I got in trouble a lot. Um, sometimes it was at home, sometimes it was at school. But regardless, I would get home and my parents would say, Josiah, go to my room and wait in the white chair to think about what you've done. Um, pretty sure they were just trying to punish me with boredom, which usually worked for me. Uh, but eventually my dad would come in and he would ask me a question and he'd talk to me about my poor decision-making skills and he'd ask me a question that went something like this. Josiah, why did you take all your brother's clothes and all of the towels out of the bathroom while he was in the shower? to which I would laugh because I was a staple brother prank and I thought I did a pretty good job of it. Um, but he would ask me a question like that, but he wouldn't allow me to respond with certain answers. That as a kid, I was never allowed to respond to my father with these three answers. I don't know because, or I don't care. I don't know because, or I don't care that those were considered $1 answers to him. 
And because I wasn't allowed to respond that way, it forced me to think a little bit deeper about the decisions that I was making. It forced me to come to grips with some of the deeper realities of life, even as a young kid. That the reason I love to embarrass my brothers is because it made me feel better on the inside. You see, my dad didn't care for my $1 answers when he was asking me a million dollar question. And the same should be true of our faith. That when people ask us questions that are faith shaking to them, we shouldn't be able to cop out with just a $1 answer. Because once again, we all exist somewhere on that line. That John 14, 6 uh, actually talks about what we believe that truth is, uh, that at the end of that line is truth, and we believe that as Jesus, as followers of Jesus, because Jesus, he said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father, no one gets to the other end of that line except through me. But then again, in John 6, 17, 17, he says it like this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That John, he often refers to Jesus as the word that we believe this pursuit of truth is a core part of our faith. But we also believe that that truth is Jesus, that he is the ultimate truth that people are after. And hear me very clearly, when it comes to that line, that truth that exists, just as much as we know that truth exists, we also understand your doubts exist, that your questions exist, that there are some things as Christians that we must wrestle through. And as followers of Jesus, we must take the time to wrestle through those things, to seriously consider the hard questions, to avoid $1 answers to the million-dollar questions of life. Not just for our own uh, pursuits of truth or our own faith, but for the, the sake of others. But listen, God never called you to check your brain at the door when you enter into church. He never called you to leave your brain behind when you entered into a relationship with Jesus. Now listen, your doubt, your doubt is not denial. Your doubt is permission to dive deeper. That your doubt is a gift. Your doubt is an opportunity to take a step in the direction of truth, in the direction of Jesus. And listen, we know no one will ever make it all the way to truth to, to, in this life to, to have the answers to every question that can be asked. But we as a church, we want to remove every obstacle for you to get to Jesus. We want to help you answer the questions that matter the most. You may not get all the way there, but we want to close that gap as much as possible so that someday you may not have to take a leap of faith, but that every day you can simply take a step in faith in the direction of Jesus. We have to stop giving $1 answers to million-dollar questions. And maybe perhaps a great way to start is by this framework right here, that maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you're someone that just gets asked questions a lot, and you don't always know the answer to them. But the next time somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer to it, I'm going to ask you that you do these three things. At first, you, you fall back. Then you find out, and then you follow through. That you fall back, you find out, and you follow through. And when someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer, don't make one up. <laughs> don't make things worse. Don't respond with just, I don't know. It's okay to respond with, I don't know. But fall back with the intention to find out. Say, I don't know, but I'm going to go figure out for you. So fall back, but then find out. Like, figure out a good answer. Go find different uh, perspectives. Research different views. Ask people what their perspectives are. Make sure you find out. Real quick, two great resources to this. Uh, the first one is this book right here called Confronting Christianity. And basically the premise of this book is that it takes 12 of the most frequently asked questions about Christianity and it dives headfirst into them. 
I think it's a great resource. It's a little heady, but it's a great summary of some of the different perspectives that we hold as followers of Jesus. Great book. Second one would be this. This is called Next Level. Uh, the college that I went to, Ozark Christian College, they produced hours of online content talking about many of the topics uh, that, that we're talking about here and that caused people to leave Christianity. And here's the best part. It's free that I paid for my education, and then they released this like a year later, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. So please take advantage of this. Please use these good resources to find the million-dollar answers because they are out there. So fall back, find out, then finally follow through. Don't let a doubt go unanswered. Don't let a question go unanswered. Put a date on the calendar. Take them out to coffee. Uh, ask them about what they've learned. Share with them what you've learned. Exchange resources and move on. Listen, the next time you're asked a question and you don't know the answer, you may not be the person that says, just pray more or just read your Bible more or just have more faith. You may not be that person, but you may be the person who simply says, I don't know with no intention of finding out. And so next time what I ask is that instead of just doing that, to fall back, to find out and follow through. Because one of the biggest reasons that people are walking away from Jesus right now is because we keep giving $1 answers to million dollar questions. But the second reason is this. And we have not always kept the main thing, the main thing. And guys, I wish I had more time to unpack this point as much as I would like to. But last May, we actually preached an entire series on this point that I'm about to make. And I would highly encourage you, if you have any questions, or maybe you just want to learn more, to go back and listen to that series. It's called Text. And it's a great series. Because we as the church and we as a church have not always kept the main thing, the main thing. And over the years, I've heard hundreds of reasons why people no longer believe in Jesus or why they never wanted to believe in Jesus in the first place. And they range all over the place, you know, questions uh, about suffering, past hurts from religious groups, practical relevance, textual discrepancies, uh, conflictions with science, the existence of hell, the, re the reliability of the Bible itself, and the list goes on and on, and I'm sure you could add to that list. But out of all the stories that I've listened to, out of all the conversations that I've had, not a single one of those things, not a single one of those people left Christianity for anything that I think makes me a Christian or anyone else a Christian at all. What do I mean by that? Let me say it as clear as I know how to. I don't, I don't follow Jesus for any of those other reasons. That I don't follow uh, Jesus uh, because of how old the earth is. My faith is not based on if Jonah got swallowed by a fish my faith is not grounded in the historicity of the Israelites or the stories of David. Guys, my faith isn't even based on the fact that the Bible is 100% true and without error. And while I do happen to believe all those things, and I think all those things are important, that is not what makes me a follower of Jesus. And no, what makes me a follower of Jesus is this. that I believe that some 2,000 years ago, a man by the name of Jesus Christ climbed up a hill called Calvary was nailed to a cross and died my death for the mistakes that I made, was placed in a tomb for three days, but three days later, he walked out of that tomb very much so alive. That that is the main thing. That is why I believe what I believe. That is why I am a Christian. That is why I follow Jesus. But too many times, we as a church, we as the church, have taken the secondary things of our faith and made them the primary things for which people should build their faith on. And the problem is that if we can disprove any of these secondary things, people can throw their faith out the window. 
And since then, by making secondary things the primary thing or the main thing, we have allowed people to walk away from Jesus for reasons that wouldn't have even been conversations to the early church. Because when I think about the early church, when I think about what they preached about, when I think about why they followed Jesus, they did so for one reason and one reason alone. And it was the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know whether you're done. Maybe you're done. Maybe you're someone uh, that is on the verge of throwing in the towel when it comes to following Jesus. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you have doubts, you have questions, but you don't feel comfortable exposing what those are. I don't know where you're at this morning. And I really debated putting this in my sermon, but I think it's important. But can I just be transparent for, with you for a second? Can I just share with you where I'm at? Because I still have doubts. I still have questions that I wonder about on, on a daily basis. I still have things in my faith that I need to wrestle through. But if we could, can we put those things aside for right now? Because like I said, when it comes to my faith, my faith is grounded in the resurrection and that gives me a solid foundation from which I can wrestle out my doubts, wrestle out my questions. And so if I could share with you for a second, when it comes to my beliefs about the resurrection, when it comes to my beliefs about Jesus, there are really just four things that it comes down to. And when it comes to how I view the resurrection, I I can't find my way around these four things, okay? The first one is this, the witnesses that there are recorded in scripture and outside of scripture, not just one, not just two, but hundreds of people claiming to have seen the resurrection of Jesus. I can't get around that. Second is the fact of the empty tomb. That if both the Jews and the Romans knew where the body was and neither one of them wanted Jesus to succeed, what happened to the body? What happened to the body? Thirdly is this, the conversions and the commitments of the disciples that all of them went from being scared and hiding in a house to eventually dying for their faith. This included James, who was a skeptic, the brother of Jesus, like how much convincing would it have taken him? But it also includes Saul, the Christian killer turned church planner, all of whom who gave their lives willingly and separately, I must add. But then finally is this, the existence of what we're doing right now. That even though we can't meet in person, we have found a way to talk about this man named Jesus. That I'm talking about the church. How could one of the strongest, most powerful, most long-lasting empires in human history, the Roman Empire, be brought down by a backwoods public speaker and 12 unschooled ordinary men? Now listen, these four things in my faith have given me a solid foundation from which to wrestle my doubts And it doesn't mean I still don't have doubts. It doesn't mean that I still don't have unanswered questions to this day. But my faith has been grounded in the resurrection of Jesus. And until I find an answer to those four questions that satisfies all of them fully, and at the same time, I will continue to follow Jesus. And I would encourage you to do the same. And so once again, to be clear, my goal this morning is not to argue you into being a Christian. For the skeptic, I hope I've given you something to think about when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ. For the Christ follower, I hope I've given you permission to expose the doubts and the questions that you have. But we need to make sure that we're not uh, giving $1 answers to the million-dollar questions. And we have to make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing. Because here's the truth. We are one of the greatest causes for people deconverting from Christianity. 
that we as followers of Jesus are one of the greatest causes for people deconverting from Christianity, and I'm begging you. Now, I'm pleading with you to please change my mind. Please help me make that statement false. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for giving us uh, brains. Thank you for allowing us to follow something that is reasonable. God, right now there are people that are walking away from you on a daily basis, and a lot of that has to do with our response to them. And so, God, I pray you give us the humility. God, I pray you give us the wisdom. I pray you, you just give us the opportunities to help right that wrong. Help us be the kind of people that truly want to remove obstacles for people to find you. God, if we are the obstacle, if we are the thing getting in the way, God, help us to get out of the way because we want people to see who you are and what it is that you've done for us. God, we're beyond grateful for Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.